Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If you would grab your Bibles again, thank you, uh, Pastor, for allowing me these uh, services to begin to impart and share. Praise the Lord and enjoy what God is doing. Amen. First Kings chapter 17. We're going to kind of continue in the same uh, vein that God has been kind of unfolding to us these past few services. Everybody say, I want to be where God is. Hallelujah. And uh, sometimes unbeknownst to us, God is saying the same thing to us. Hey, I want to be where my people are. I want to be where you are. That's, that's what this thing is all about. That's what the Holy Ghost is all about. Amen. God wanting to be uh, with us, and he want to be with us so much and not separated from us. Uh, so he, he decided not just to be with us. He wants to be in us. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to live in you. Amen. Jesus doesn't just want to walk with you. He wants to live in you. He wants to walk in you. He wants to talk through you. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. And that's why when uh, we seek the Holy Ghost, God evidences himself by letting us know he's on the inside by speaking through us in that heavenly language as we're praying. We're praying. This, this is not something that, you know, uh, you've learned in, in, in a language class or linguistics. You, you, nobody can't teach you how to speak in tongues. You are praying in your own understanding with your own known language, and God supernaturally begins to uh, change what you're saying. At first, it feels like you're kind of fumbling over your words or you're, you're messing up. Some of some people may pray, and they begin to feel trembling, or, or as the Bible call it, stammering lips. But God is not done right there. Praise God. He begins to work on you, and as you begin to yield yourself to God, you can't have anything in the way. You can't have any closets that haven't been opened to God, any skeletons hiding over here and say, yeah, I'm just going to pray, and if I feel good, man, I, I did it. No, that's not that's not the uh, sum total of what God wants to do in your life. He doesn't just want you to be here to feel good. Amen. He doesn't just want you to be here to feel good. He wants you to be here to be good. Hallelujah. And you can't be good unless you've got God. Hallelujah. So he allows you to receive himself. So to make you better, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Kings 17, so he arose, talking about this prophet named Elijah. And, he, and when he came to the uh, gate of the city, behold, a woman, a widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to get the prophet some water, he called to her and said, Hey, bring, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but 
a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. Hallelujah. I don't have much. I only got some scraps here. And behold, I, I, the reason why I'm even out here, prophet, I'm gathering these two sticks that I may go in and uh, create a fire so that I can bake this last that I have and I can eat it and we will have nothing else and, and, and my family will per perish because we're down to our last. And Elijah said unto him, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make thereof a little cake. You don't have to take the whole thing and make it for me, but like, take a little bit of, of what you got left and uh, make me a piece of bread first and bring it to me. And after, uh, make for thee and thy son. You're going to have enough. You, you're going you're gonna to do this, and then uh, whatever you got left, it'll be enough. Praise God. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail. Somebody say, the bread won't waste. Until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat, everybody say, many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Praise God. She was going out to make her last meal. Amen. She had nothing left, no other means to increase her resources to feed her family. And the Bible says that when the prophet said, hey, before you take your last meal, take a portion of that and, and, and make me something to eat. And because it wasn't that she gave it to the man of God, it was because she was obedient to, to what was said. A word was given to her and the word multiplied what she did not have. Hallelujah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be like, like deep today, uh, but I do want you, don't get your scuba gear out, get your snorkeling gear out. Amen. Uh, we're going to go a little bit under the water here, okay, because God wants to reveal something to us, amen, about his method of providing for his house. Amen. Hallelujah. God has a method in providing for his house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody lift your hands and say, there is bread in God's house. Hallelujah. Amen. Lift your voice and let's pray one more time and ask God to speak. And as he speaks, begin to let his spirit move. And those that are in need of infilling of the Holy Ghost, somebody who needs this bread, hallelujah, someone who came hungry, Lord God, fill every spiritual appetite in this place in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We take our hands off of what you want to do in this service so you can put your hands on. Hallelujah. Be hands on today, Lord God. Let your hands be on our hearts. Let your hands be on our minds. Let your hands be on our souls. Let your hands be on our health. Let your hands be on our finances. Let your hands be on our thoughts in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voice one more time and give God praise and thank him for what he has in his house. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. There is a method and 
there are conditions to the things that God does. Okay? Now, because we have been trained to process information, simply put, to think a certain way, uh, there are some things regarding the scriptures or some things regarding how God does things that does not compute up here. It makes no sense. And the Bible actually says it is foolishness to the world, but it is wisdom to God. Amen. It doesn't make sense to the logical mind, but in the spirit and spiritual things, it makes perfect sense. Like, how, do, how does God uh, come up to a blind man and, and tell him, hey, I'm going to heal you, but first, before I heal you, I want to put this mud in your face. Okay? And uh, he, he's a blind man now, and Jesus said, you're going to see. But before, you're see, before you can see, i got to cover your eyes. And then after he covers his eyes, he says, okay, now find a body of water to wash it off. Okay, the man is blind, and even if he had his sight, if he had mud in his eyes, how in the world is he going to go find the water to wash it off? It does not make sense, but it makes perfect sense to God. Because it's not about what's logical, it's about how obedient and respondent you are to what God says. Hallelujah. And he says, oh, you go ahead and wash in the pool of Siloam. Hallelujah. And he washed it off and came back and his sight began to come a little bit. He said, I'm, I'm going to heal you by doing some things in your life that you probably don't understand. You think I'm making the situation worse, but I'm not making the situation worse. I'm making it better. Praise God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. He was creating the world. This is his grand masterpiece. And when he starts, it's all dark. It's empty. You're like, what is God doing here? And all of a sudden, God begins to speak into what you think is nothing. And what you think, can, nothing can come from this. But when God speaks into it, there are things that are beginning to happen. Praise God. Amen. Now, the reason why I'm going down this line of thought is because we have to understand God's process. Every one of us, if you've been educated in America... You've been learned how to think like a Greek. Our whole educational system is built on Greek philosophy and thought. Okay? We, and most of us, even in public school, and I'm not saying take your kids out of public school and go homeschool them or put them in private school. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. I'm just giving you some context to how we are trained to, th to think. In public school, some, people, some schools don't even teach you how to process information. And how to retain information. They teach you how to pass tests. Amen. And so it's not that you're, you're, you're dumb. You're not dumb. You just know how to pass it. You know exactly what to do to get the right answer. But in practicality, to use the information and it, for it to be applicable in your life, there's some things are dis disconnected. You ever know somebody that they're so smart they're dumb? 
How you know so much, but you don't know anything? They, they, got, they got all the book smarts, but they will not survive if they had to walk out there on the streets. They got no street smarts. How are you so smart, but you don't know the simplest things? Because your mind has been trained to think and process information a certain way. So in the Bible, when God is beginning to speak things, everything that God speaks, whether it's happening right now or whether it is to happen, it is prophetic in nature. His word is prophetic in nature. Prophecy is not just things to come. It is things that are happening that may not be uh, readily detectable by the human mind. Prophecy is not just foretelling. It's, it's forth-telling. Meaning things that are happening now that you can't really see clearly, it's happening right now. And I'm going to speak to it so you can be aware of what's going on right now. What God wants to speak to us today is about the house. And the reason why God wants to speak about the house is because uh, we have to understand God's pattern. Because we are trained to think logically, we think in terms of cause and effect. We think in terms of then and now. But in God's word, because it's prophetic in nature, it's not about cause and effect. It's not even about prophecy and fulfillment. It's about pattern. It is all about pattern. And if you understand that when God speaks and God begins to release a word, that he is all about his patterns, you will begin to know and, and know how to expect and see things happen because you won't look for it to be fulfilled. You'll look for the patterns to match and line up. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. That's why God does things a certain way because it doesn't make sense to you, but it makes sense in terms of the pattern that he set. Hallelujah. So in the beginning, hallelujah, God begins to create. Hebrew alphabet, even why we got the term that we call it alphabet, it's from the first two letters, A and B, or in the Greek, alpha, beta, alphabet. But in Hebrew language and in Hebrew characters and text, it is not alphabet. It is in their uh, uh, lettering and, and, and terminologies. Aleph, bait. Aleph, bait, first two letters. So it's not an alphabet in the Hebrew, it's aleph, bait. First thing that comes is Aleph. Aleph. And in, in these characters, it is so interesting to, 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 to really uh, look at because uh, in our letters, our letters represent just a building block of a word. But in those letters, the letter is not just a character to create a word. That one letter is also a numerical value. That one letter is also a picture of something. So the Aleph is a picture of an ox with horns. It is a depiction of strength and leadership. So when God says, I am Alpha and Omega, he's not saying that I am just the first and the last. He's saying I am the head and I am the tail. Praise God. So when God is saying, uh, I, I, it, when God says uh, things like Abba, Father, the structure of that word has only two characters, the olive and the bait. Now here, I'm, oh, we're going to get to it right now. 
because the Aleph is that picture of an ox. It's a picture of strength. It's a picture of fortitude. It's a picture of leadership. It's a picture of the head. But bait is a picture of a dwelling place. Bait is a picture of a tent. And in that tent, that letter, that character can be pronounced different ways. It can be pronounced with a B or it can be pronounced with a V. But in that letter, if it's going to be pronounced with a B, there's something that has to be inside the tent. And it changes how you pronounce that word, whether it's a softer sound with a V or it's a more solidified sound with a B. Praise God. So that tent, praise God. When you say Abba, the reason why it means father is because Aleph Beit. Those are the only two letters that's in that word. The leadership of the home. Glory to God. So when you say Abba Father, you're not just saying Daddy. You're not just saying Father. You're saying, God, you are the head of this household. Hallelujah. Here it is now. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Here it is now. The very first letter in the Bible is not even Aleph. It is bait. It is that B which represents tent, dwelling place, abode, habitation, household. So the word, we, we read it in the scripture and the scholars begin to uh, uh, translate this thing and it says in the beginning. But because that letter is so full of bait, that bait, or we would pronounce it now Beth. So in that letter, it is so full, it means dwelling place, meaning a container for something. It means something that other things go inside, okay? So when that, that, that scripture was written, it just said beginning, God. Okay? So the very first letter in the Bible is tent. It's representative of household. He is intending from the beginning what he wants to do throughout the end. Praise God. He is trying to build a dwelling place to put something on the inside. It's kind of like what Pastor preached a few years ago. Something that he formed is supposed to be filled. Hallelujah. When God creates a thing, he's intending to fill it with something. And his greatest creation is not just the sun, the moon, and the stars. You, somebody say me, you are his greatest creation. Your body is a dwelling place and a household for the head. And our father wants to come inside and fill our bodies with all of him. Hallelujah. It was always his intention. To put something in that house. Hallelujah. And so you will notice that in Israel, throughout that whole region, uh, again, I, I reference quickly to you that the letter bait, or how we would pronounce it, or how it's transliterated, or how they uh, change the letters to English now, it's not just uh, a B Y T. 
but it's B-E-T-H, Beth. That's how we begin to see it now. But throughout Israel, you'll notice that in that land, there are several cities that begins with the prefix Beth. There is Beth Page, house of a unripe figs. It's, it's, he is beginning to pattern himself throughout everything that is going on. And the reason why I'm even talking about is these Hebrew words and talking about Israel is because Israel's lifestyle and culture was the only culture that is in existence, ever in existence, that God himself dictated. Everything they did, God told them to do it. Uh, you know, I mean, I know, okay, you, you come from Wakanda and you want to dance around with your drums. and uh, Okay, but God never told you to do that. Amen. And you can be, oh, I'm going to go there. Praise God. You can be so proud of your blackness and don't even realize that God never, God, God doesn't care if you're Afrocentric. He doesn't care if you're just so prideful about your culture. It's okay to love who you are, but don't let it supersede who God wants to make you to be. only culture that God established was that culture, that Israelite culture. And everything they did, they did because God said, okay, if you're going to have holidays, you're going to have this holiday. And you know why you're going to have this holiday? Because it's a pattern of something that I want to do. Hallelujah. It's all going to line up in things that I have done or that I will do because it has to match my pattern. Hallelujah. And everything that God has established that we know of throughout the Bible has always been to match what he intended at the beginning. So if you really want to understand church, you're going to understand house. And if you really want to understand why I call her my sister and him my brother, you got to understand house. So he builds something to put something on the inside of it. That's why he didn't just create Eden and the garden therein. He created a man to put him inside of that garden. That garden wouldn't be anything. It might be something to look at, but it's non-functional unless he has somebody to go in there. Amen. So he begins to build a container. Everywhere you look, when God has a major shift in the Bible, it is the same pattern. He's creating occupancies. He's creating a vacancy, and not just to keep it empty, but he wants to fill that thing with something that he intends to fill it with. Amen. That's why we have the church. So the church is not here just to look nice, but he wants to fill the church with something. Praise God. It's his pattern. It's what he always does. It's what he always did. It's what he always will ever do. Hallelujah. He builds something to fill it. Amen. Amen. Would you follow me now? So he begins to go about his earthly ministry as Jesus Christ, right? But you got to understand, when it was time for Jesus to come, he came to be born in a certain house. 
he came to be born in a specific city. And that city was called Bethlehem. Or as we would pronounce it today, Bethlehem. It is the house of bread. Very significant of why he would choose to wrap himself in flesh and in anywhere he could be born, he chooses a house of bread. Hallelujah. He chooses to be born in a place. He chooses to enter into a place where there is bread. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you right now that God still desires to go to a place where there is bread. Hallelujah. What am I talking about today? He's not just coming over for dinner. That bread is a representation of what he wanted to fill that house with. It's not just a loaf. It's a word. The pattern. When they were hungry in the wilderness, he said, if you're going to be filled, you're going to be filled with what I want to give you. And the first thing I'm going to give you to fill you is manna. There's going to be bread falling from heaven. Praise God. And I want you to fill yourself with that bread. Why? Just because I wanted to do a miracle? Just because I, I wanted to show myself that I can drop bread from the sky? No. It fits my pattern of what I have done and what I will do. Hallelujah. God has brought you to this church today to put something on the inside of you. And it's not something that's going to fill your stomach. It's something that's going to fill your soul. Hallelujah. It's not just a, a physical bread. It is a, a spiritual bread. It's a word that's going to satisfy every hunger that you've ever had, every emptiness, every void, every occupancy, every vacancy. God has bread for the house. He says, I built a tent, call your body, hallelujah, and I want to fill that thing with a word, hallelujah. And you got to understand something. When there is a word there, God wants to be there. Why? Because if you are a house for his word, that means you will be willing to accept everything else that comes with that word. So as you're hearing this preacher talking about the word of God and you're receiving it and you're accepting it, something on the inside of you opens up a welcoming vacancy for the Holy Ghost to come on the inside. There is only one way for you to receive God. You've got to be open to his word. And once you've accepted his word, the Bible calls it faith. Why? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the bread that God is dishing out every Sunday, every Thursday. There is bread in the house and you never have to go hungry. You never have to starve. Just get to where the bread is. accept that bread, oh, you, you really are in for a treat. I know you had those little dinner rolls, you know, you pop them in the oven and got your nice little yeast roll and 
you're whipping up your honey butter on the side, and, you know, or maybe you guys, you know, you, you guys like the little Italian things where you, you know, you know nah, forget honey butter, eh? we ain't from the south, let's do that garlic butter, you know, put that garlic butter on the bread, praise God. Some people, they don't even forget about the butter, we want the oil, you know, like, you know, I don't know if you've been here, but some, some you know, I, I know you guys like, you know, uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, Olive Garden. And, you know, they slather those breadsticks, and they got the old. Now nah, they got the butter on it with the the garlic, and you can you, you don't even want to eat it without a napkin because when you touch it, it's gonna be slathered in that garlic butter. The garlic, the grains gonna be all on your finger, and you're just oh yeah, this is so good. But it, there's even more. There's even more than that. Not just a breadstick. Oh, the whole loaf can come if you go to Carabas, and if you go to Carabas, they're not just going to give you the roll. They're going to give you a whole plate of some oil with some herbs in it. Praise God. And I don't know if it was the apothecary. I don't know if it was actually the, the recipe of the anointing oil, but something is in that oil. When you put it on that bread, hallelujah, you just can't stop. That's exactly what the Holy Ghost is like. It's, you can go anywhere and get a word, but if you get a word with some oil, you get a word that's seasoned and it's got oil, it makes the experience so much better. I come to tell you, you didn't just come to a bakery today, you came to a house that has bread, that has oil. Hallelujah. So he says, in my father's house, there are many mansions, there are many vacancies, there are many places, and I'm going to that house to prepare a place for you because there is something that you need there. You thought you were just coming just to see what this church is all about. No, God said, I made sure that you were here today because you need something. You might look like you got it all together. You might have a smile on your face, but deep down on the inside, there's something that you are hungry for. And God says, I know exactly what you're hungry for, and I know exactly how to get it to you. If you just come by my house and you just come inside and you begin to hear the word of the Lord, don't just debate it. Don't just kind of chew on it. Don't overanalyze it. Just begin to eat a little bit of bread. Hallelujah. And when you eat a little bit of bread, he says, if you like that, you're going to like the main course. And that's not it. Oh, after you eat the full meal, I've got more in store. And it's going to be sweet. It's going to be nice. I'm going to put the icing on that bread. The prophet and the widow called it cake. Really, cake is just glorified bread. Don't get offended at me. Some of y'all that's baking. Don't be calling my cake bread. I don't care. If you scratched up all your ingredients or you just opened up a box, it's still bread. I don't care if you went, got that box and nobody didn't know and Thanksgiving came around and you're all boasting about this dessert and all you did was add a few little things to the Duncan Hines. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is my, you know, I know some people, 
Yes. And then go, they, they, they'll rave about their cornbread. You know, just, oh, yeah, you're going like, to like my cornbread. And all they did, while nobody is looking, they found a blue and white box in the cupboard. And they begin to open it up and begin to mix it. Oh, yeah, they're going to like this bread. But see, uh, this is not just the blue and white box. I'm going to put a little bit of this in there. I'm going to put a little of this in there. And it's going to be moist. It's going to be nice. And then when it comes out of the oven, I'm going to slather some honey on it. On, and I'm going to, oh, they're going to, well, how did you make this? Oh, I can't tell you. It's a family. No, it ain't a family secret. The only secret is that you was in the kitchen while nobody was watching, adding some things to the ingredients. I'm going to get in trouble for that. God says, this is better than any other bread you've ever eaten. And you know what? Whether you have it all fluffy or whether it's like a pita, you're going to like this bread. But I'd rather give it to you with no additives because I'm not trying to puff you up. I'm not trying to fluff you up. Hallelujah. I want you to eat this bread without any yeast, without any leaven. Hallelujah. And when you eat that thing, don't worry if you're on keto. Praise God. There's fibers in that bread. There's no yeast that's going to make you feel all bloated. Like you got to go, come on, now look at me like that. Like you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, man. You don't like this bread. Hallelujah. It's not going to make you feel all big and nasty and feel like you want to go in the corner and lay down somewhere. No, this is not that type of bread. This is the bread that makes you want more. This is the bread that makes you feel energized. This is the bread that, oh, hallelujah, it doesn't have to bypass a whole bunch of things to give your body the nutrients it needs. This bread is the best bread. Hallelujah. Well, lift your hands right now. God's got a bread for somebody. You came here hungry. And it wasn't just because you didn't eat breakfast. You came here hungry because you've been through some things in your life. And you've had some heartaches in your life. You had some pain in your life. You had some things that you couldn't explain in your life. And you, you begin to have questions for God, hallelujah, because of what you've been through. And God says, don't worry about all those answers. I've got some bread for you. I'm going to satisfy you. I might not answer all your questions, but I'm going to fill you, hallelujah, to overflowing. Praise God. Isn't that what he said? He said, I feel you so much that I'm not just going to give you water. I'll give you the whole well. It's going to spring up into everlasting life. This is what is in his house. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Yeah. He said, look, 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 look what the, 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 the prophet said. Look, look at what God told the prophet to say. And it, it, it took me a while to process this because of how my mind was trained. And I didn't really see it because I've always been told a certain thing. And I didn't see it because I, I viewed what God said through the lens of my tradition. Praise God. And I began to see it uh, differently than what he intended it because it was filtered in a certain way. My, my filter wasn't pure. So when my filter got pure, I begin to hear his word differently. Hallelujah. It began to produce different things as I begin to read it. And in the Bible, it says he was wounded. 
for what? Not transfusions. Transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, meaning when you are unsettled and untroubled and you're bothered on the inside. You just, it's something on the inside. You, it's kind of like a similar to, to, to like anxiety, similar to always having to be nervous about things. He said, that's what I came to get beaten for. And with his stripes, we are not physically, but in context of what he told the prophet to say, he said, I was wounded for your transgressions. I was bruised for your iniquities. That's talking about sin. The chastisement of your unsettling spirit was upon me. But with these stripes, all of those things are going to be healed. Hallelujah. Don't worry about what's on the outside because if he heals you on the inside, he'll begin to heal you on the outside. That is the that is the objective and goal of the Father to do something in the house that he built. Hallelujah. He's going to heal your house. That is a word for somebody. Lift your hands right now. He's going to heal your house. Everything that's been causing issues, everything that's been causing pain, everything that's been causing heartache, whether in your body or whether in your physical address, God says, I'm about to step in and do something in the house. is where the disconnect is. When God does something in the house, we, we kind of touched on it in the previous service. God does something in the house and then there's back doors open. You know what's so funny? After we talked about that, I went home and wifey went over to the back door and said, babe, the back door was open. I'm like, Lord have mercy. Are you speaking to me? God, you got to show me how that back door is open now. I don't want no thief coming in to steal my stuff that cost me to get to where I'm at. I ain't, get, I ain't letting no thief come in there and steal what God has given me. Amen. But I said, okay, baby. I don't think it's a problem. We, we don't ever want to leave doors open. But I don't think that one's a problem. Because that has a storm door. And you know, I didn't even check it that night. I was just so, I had peace on the inside. Because I knew that wasn't the real entry point. There might have been some disconnect that I needed to fix. There's some things I needed to lock. But that wasn't the primary entry point for the thief. There's something before that door. Some of y'all, depending on where you're from, you call it a screen door. Really, it's a storm door. Amen. 
Yeah. It's the first line of defense for your house in times of a storm. And as long as that's secure, because the enemy's not going to come and try to lie to you and deceive you when you're happy. But when the storm, oh, Lord, have mercy. That is the primary place that the enemy wants to enter your life while you're going through something that you don't like and negative things are happening in your life. He begins to weasel his way and lie to you. Well, maybe God don't love you. Maybe God won't do it for you. Maybe maybe, maybe you did something wrong or maybe you did something wrong. And you say, well, God's punishing me. Oh, God, I don't know what's going to happen. And you, It's the storm door. That's the first thing you need to secure your stability in the storm. Because there's a thief trying to get into your house. And I don't know about you, but I might have a little bit for the profit, but I ain't got no bread to waste. I ain't got no resources that I can just leave open for the enemy to come in and steal. I got a little bit of something for the prophet. I got something for the man of God. But I ain't got nothing for a thief. Hallelujah. And God is saying, you need to lock it up. Hallelujah. Secure yourself in the storm. And if you can secure yourself in a storm, you can secure yourself at any other time. Praise God. Depending on where you're from, it'd be a storm door or a screen door. And the enemy chooses to enter through the screen door. Oh, yeah, I'm there. And as soon, oh, you thought I was just talking about the screen, like the little mesh that kind of blocks the vision. If, if, if people try to look in your house, you got that little mesh, and they can't really see that much inside. Or, or, you know, I can open up the window, but the door's not really open because there's a little film there. No, 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 no. That's not the screen I'm talking about. I'm talking about the screen door. And the enemy chooses to enter your house because the screen door wasn't secure. That's where we're living right now, in the 21st century, where everyone, almost uh, two-thirds of planet Earth has a screen at all times. That's what the numbers are right now. Two-thirds of the whole world, even in third world countries, they might not have a, a, a shirt to put on, but they got a cell phone. And the enemy said, I'm going to get in every house. And in order to get in the house, they might know how to navigate a storm, but I'll make sure there's a screen to enter in through. <laughs> if you want your bread to last... 
And if you want that bread to survive, this is how the enemy disrupts your life. It's not that you didn't come to church. It's not that you didn't hear from God. You did hear from God. You did pray good. But when you went back home, a thief stole your word. He stole the bread you got. God is saying, it's time for you to lock every door and deny access for that enemy. Sometimes, and you know, when we talk about these friends and, you know, people already get a preconceived notion of what the man is talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. This is not always sin. It could be something that can make you think a certain way. I know people that they'd be so nice, sweet as pie, but as soon as they watch their favorite sitcom, I'm talking about it, it's attitude from nowhere. Who are you? That's not the person I know. But you know what? There was a screen door open, and an enemy came and stole their joy. An enemy came in, a thief came in and stole their peace. And so now they don't even look at themselves as God fearfully and wonderfully wonderful creation. Now they see themselves as I don't, I'm not this and I don't have that. And I don't look like this. And, I don't, and then it changes how they respond. And the devil is having a field day in your life because of the screens that were open that he got in through. And God is telling the people of God today, if you want the oil and the bread to last, you've got to secure yourself from the thief. Hallelujah. Because he has bread that will never run out. The bread will never run out. If you have secured your house. Everybody lift your hands right now. The reason why God wanted you to be in this atmosphere, in this service today, is because he wanted to secure some things in your house. It is what he has declared from the beginning. It was always about the family unit. Always. If you're going to understand your relationship, that's why some people, people, people ask the question, they even wrote a book about it, why men don't go to church. Because in this day and age, most men don't know what being a man is. Why? Because something was wrong home. They didn't have that example of that father, so they don't know how to receive or to, how to have a relationship with their father. God said, oh, no, don't worry about that. I've got bread in the house. Come, come to my table, and we'll sit down and break bread. I'm going to feed you with something that's going to fix everything that you thought was broken. This, this bread that I've got, hallelujah, you can't, you, you can't get it anywhere else. You can't afford this. They don't sell it in the stores. Why? Because there's no price you can put on it. 
Why? Because I bought this bread with my own body. As a matter of fact, the bread is my body. And it was broken for you. Hallelujah. And if we're going to have communion with heaven to earth, my body had to be broken. Hallelujah. Just so I can feed the world with a bread that will never, ever run out. Hallelujah. Every hand lifted right now. God says, I'm ready. Bread is broken. Come and dine. Come fill your soul with what you've been missing this whole time. You thought you knew God. You don't know God until you sit down at his table and you begin to partake of his bread. Hallelujah. You thought you knew something about church. You don't know anything about church until you understand God's house. Until you understand what God intended for the family. Hallelujah. And I don't even like how they're calling it today the nuclear family. What is a nuclear? There ain't nothing about to blow up in this house. Hallelujah. This is the original design of what God intended for my home to look like. Hallelujah. He put one man and one woman and they procreated in that garden. Why? Because that was his original design. And that is what he intends for the end. There's a bride called the church that's going to meet with Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. And there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to break bread. Hallelujah. That's what this whole thing is about. So when God brought you to this place and this church, he wanted to restructure and redesign how you viewed home. And once you understand home, you'll understand that there's no family like the family of God. There's no house like the house of God. Why? Because the bread never runs out. Meaning there's never going to be a place or a time in the house of God where you can't sit down at the table and commune and fellowship and connect with the body. Why? Because the body is the bread. It's always going to be in the house. Every hand lifted right now. I'm speaking to the people that have come here, not necessarily having some pre-existing expectations, but you came here because you just wanted to come or someone asked you to come and you're here and God's saying, I didn't just ordain you to be here just so, you know, you can kind of check things out and see, well, maybe I like this church, maybe I don't. No, I came here, to, I, came, I brought you here to, to see me. Because I am Abba. I am the leader of the house. I am the head of the household. And I want you to connect with me. God is so good. Let me tell you how good God is. It wasn't until I start, began to read this book I picked up. Uh, it was over in the Middle East a few months ago picked up a book called Jesus of Arabia, and we don't understand sometimes 
that although we read the Bible, it was all taking place in a certain isolated area, the Arabian Peninsula. So Arabic and Islamic culture, not the religion, the culture, their way of life, is the closest thing to how, what we read in the Bible right now. That's still in existence. So much so that people think they, you know, they just don't like modernizing. But that culture is the closest culture that we read about in the Bible. As a matter of fact, if you didn't know, that Arabic culture comes from Abraham. Yeah, that whole thing. Why? Arabic culture comes from Ishmael. Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac was the one that God wanted him to have. Ishmael was him doing his thing. And God said, you know what? I'm still going to provide my promise, but it won't be what I've chosen. They're going to multiply as the sand of the sea. And yes, they did. Recorded over 2 billion Arabic people or Arabic-speaking uh, nations and cultures in the world. It's almost a third of the world. God said, I'm going to multiply you. Kings and princes shall come from your loins. That's exactly what happened. But today, if we look at any culture today, that is the closest culture to what we read about in the Bible. And in that culture, you are required, if a stranger comes by, and most of those people, it, we, we talked about a little bit, it's called, you know, they're, they're nomads, they're Bedouin people, so they, 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 li they don't live in established structures, they would uh, be out in the, in the desert and live in tents. But was, if somebody came by your abode, you were required by culture. You, were, you would be looked at as a shame and disrespectful if you did not receive that stranger into your house. You are required by culture to receive that person into your house for a minimum of three days. And after that, whatever. But when you receive a person into your house, the first thing you would do is you would get the lowest servant to stoop down. Unloose their shoes, grab a bucket and a towel, begin to wash their feet. The lowest servant. Why? Why the lowest servant? Not just anybody. Because the feet was, the, was looked at as the most dirtiest part of your body. They didn't have nice shoes like how we have. And, you know, so their, their feet were the most exposed things to dust, dirt, and all types of stuff that they would step on. And, you know, they had, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Acting like you don't watch some Jesus movies. They ain't have no Nikes. They ain't have no Jordans. They had Jesus slips, sandals. All type of stuff on the toenails I'm talking about. Shoes. And here's what happens now. They're in Bethany, in a particular house, but it was the house of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead, and they were partaking. And Jesus turned around after they had eaten, got a bucket, got a towel, began to take the shoes and, and, and sandals away, began to wash the feet of his disciples. Some of you would read that scripture because Peter, he, he spoke up. He's like, uh-uh, no. You're my Lord. You're, are you washing my feet? He said, if I don't wash your feet, then you don't have a part of what I, I'm bringing to this world. 
He said, all right, then no one just wash my feet, wash my head. Why, you know? But you got to understand the gesture of lowliness that God in flesh performed to those that were seemingly under him. He took on the lowest position in the house and washed their dirty feet. You understand? Some of these guys were fishermen. They ain't had no pedicures. No. Their feet was nasty. Jesus said, I'll deal with the nastiest part of you because washing feet was what they did to welcome somebody into their house. And God says, I'm ready to welcome you in my house. So you're going to have to take off those shoes and expose the vilest part of yourself. And you don't have to worry about anybody else. You're safe with me. I'm going to wash it. And if you let me wash the most filthy and dirty and messed up part of you, you are now welcome in my house. Hallelujah. God says, I've got water for you in the pool of baptism to wash away every one of your sins. I took on the form of a servant to deal with the dirtiest part and the vilest part and the most messed up part of your life. And if you let me deal with the dirt, you are welcome at all times in my house. Stand with me.